Welcome to Curva Mundial. Hello, and welcome to the season four premiere of Curva Mundial. I am your host, Sal Bono. It has been a little bit of a break, but the podcast is back, and we kick off the season with someone who has constantly given me the best positive feedback to continue on with making this podcast. I've said it before, but the internet and social media can be a strange place, and sometimes a really terrible place, but off, but once in a while you find diamonds in the rough. And what happens to be is my next guest who is coming to us from Australia is the brightest diamond of them all. Please welcome to the show, writer and host of the Gentleman Ultras Down Under podcast, Inter, Sakaruz, and Azzurri supporter, Frank Risorto. Amico mio, benvenuto. Ah, Sal, thank you. Thank you kindly. Yeah. I'll, uh, I'll transfer the cash into your bank account for that introduction later on. Not a problem. Yeah, very nice. Very nice. Thanks for thanks for flying me over and having me in your house too. I, I didn't realize <laughs> that you do this to all your guests. I feel quite, it's, this is incredible. If I'd known this, I would have agreed to come on the show much earlier on. <laughs> uh, Frank, the lovely, lovely technology that we have uh, called Zoom brings you into my living room or... Uh, but, uh, you know, if I could fly you over, my friend, I would. And we'd be doing this in person at a cafe somewhere, uh, either downtown or, uh, you know, somewhere in Central Park, just having a quick chat. But Chilling uh, out. Yeah. No, thank you for having me. It's awesome. I love the show. I've downloaded and listened to every episode. As you know, I love a good conversation. I love just hanging out with people and talking. So your show epitomizes that. And it's, yeah, it's a an honor and a privilege to be on really happy. And the feeling is mutual. You were the first fan outside of anybody. I knew you were the first stranger to like <laughs> basically put shine on this podcast. And you were coming from what I still say is like the farthest point in the universe, uh, from right outside the future. Australia. The future, Sal. I come from the future. That's right. You are coming from the future. <laughs> and it was an, and for me, it was like, I, I still smile all the time about it. And, you know, as they say, you never forget your first, Frank, and uh, that you were the first fan here. Um, and it was, and it, and it just, it gave me like, just the chutzpah to carry on, uh, if you will. Like, not that I was ever thinking about packing it in, but I was like, ah, who's going to listen to this? It's kind of like that thing where they say, if a tree falls in the woods, who's, and no one's there to hear it, does it actually make noise? That was kind of how I felt about this podcast. Does it go beyond my friends and family? I don't know, but it did. And I'm so happy that it, of all people, it was you. And we've joked offline that this podcast could end up being eight hours long because the two of us together, as we have experienced and experimented <laughs> for two folks from different parts of the world who have the same passion and don't shut the hell up. Uh, this we've already been talking for an hour and a half. People don't realize that. Yeah. yeah, that he's not wrong. So this is actually recording later than it was scheduled to because Frank and I, as just case in point, don't shut yeah, the hell up. Right. But, but it's right. right. You don't. You don't like even with the Gentleman Ultra podcast. Like, I just assume that nobody listens to it. Um, <laughs> I assume that that's uh, it's just me talking to people. Um, but but Richard at the Gentleman Ultra is a, one of the creators and the founders there. He he essentially asked me and said, "Oh, do you like?" Because I was writing some stories for them. I was writing stories like for my own blog and their podcast was coming out, but it was sort of coming out infrequently. They released one one a month then they did two in two weeks then another one in a month and he said oh we don't really have a podcast is that is that something you're interested in doing and I was like oh I don't know why you asked me for but I was just like oh 
yeah, okay, I'll give it a try. And uh, it was me essentially just asking people, mm-hmm. oh, do you want to come on the podcast to to chat? I really have no idea what I'm doing. Um, and people have been saying yes and people have been coming on. Now, I still assume that nobody listens to it. Um, but all it takes is, you know, just you get that one message or that one email or someone to write back and send, send a, a nice message or something positive about it. And it just gives you that little buzz. And it, as much as you don't need people's validation or you don't need people to say, you know, oh, you're doing a great job. You know, it, it's still cool that people are enjoying, you know, the content that you're making. And like with some of some of your work this season and some of the guests you've had, it's been fantastic. You know? Thank you. And, 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 you- and it, it's really it's really good just to have people talking about, you know, their life and sharing their stories and their upbringings and their families. And it's not just all, you know, like 24-7 transfer gossip and... <laughs> You know, people reacting to what happened on the weekend and then, you know, seven days later doing a complete backflip and, um, you know, people enjoy that, but that's sort of cool. And I guess maybe that, maybe just I'm getting older, but I tend to enjoy the, you know, all the other side of football, which is hard to find. It's it's hard to find like the amount of emails that I'm guessing you'd be the same in the same boat. It's not something that you, you know, the amount of emails I've sent over the last six months to try and chase people up to get on the podcast. It's, it's like endless. I'm I'm sure there's people out there who there's a there's the brother of a certain manager who shall remain nameless, mm-hmm. uh, who I've been trying to get on the show for the last six months. I'm pretty sure at this point in time he has like an AVO against me <laughs> um, because I'm literally like stalking him. But it, like what I said to Richard at the start, well, I've got nothing to lose. Um, right. If no one, if no one listens to the podcast, then no one listens. That's fine. I, I didn't gain anything. I didn't lose anything. So why not? Why not do it? Why not try it? And also, like, what's funny is, and this goes out to, and this is also good for un- independent people listening who want to try this on their own, is is that Gentleman Ultra is a huge, huge, huge website. Like, that is a big, big, you know, thing. Hmm. And there's lots in, there's lots on there, lots on there, and it, and, the and they're having like, the, the pressure and expectation of like Richard, who hosts the official Inter Milan English right. speaking podcast. You've got Emmett on there who works for, you know, writes for Forbes and I think it's a newspaper in Liverpool and a few other places. And they're like, hey, random Australian guy with, with a 24-7 job and three kids and, you know, a single dad. Do you want to do a podcast? And I'm just, it's like, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, why not? Why, why, you know, it just goes to show you like, yeah, why not? Why not do it? But what's funny, well, what, what I'm getting at is, is that, you know, when you're backed by even a big conglomerate like Gentleman Ultra and you're still getting rejection letters or not hearing back from anything, it kind of also shows that like this happens to anybody and this can happen to anybody, you know, and it's what's great is, is that, as you said, you're bringing the conversation about the game and you've had players, you've had managers, you've had journalists on you've had some schmuck who hosts a a podcast called curva mundial on Um, episode number one episode number one which i mean taking a gamble you want to talk about taking a risk here you go thanks you know no pressure and funnily enough it 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 took off it was one of our most popular episodes still is (laughs) that's great to hear but that's the thing too it's it's the same like i did it where i and, and i'm still doing it now where i think whether five people listen or you know, 50 people listen. I don't tend not to look at any of that stuff because then I'll sort of, you know, like, like you said, you sort of think, oh, you know, do I pull it in? Do I, do I stop doing it? Is it worthwhile doing all my time, et cetera, et cetera. But if, if someone out there enjoys it and they get the chance to listen to somebody they've never 
they've never heard talk or never given, a, there's never had a platform before, um, then, then why not? But for most of them, I just asked the question, you know, like I spoke to John Foote, who's written yeah. Calcio, which is like, you know, it's the, as far as I'm concerned, it's like the book on Italian football. 100%. Yep. Yeah. So that was a matter of me just searching in Google, John Foote and going, oh yeah, that, that's his Twitter page. I'll see if I can talk to him through Twitter. I oh, no sort of responses yet. Um, oh, I know he works at Bristol University. I'll just see if I can find his, you know, his academic page or his professor page, you know, like on the website. Oh, there it is. Oh, there's an email. Oh, well, I'll just ask the question. So 99.9%, like everyone, actually, no, that's a lie. Every single guest I've had, I've sent an email to them with the automatic thought in my mind that they're all just going to say no. Mm -hmm. And I'm shocked when they write back and say, yeah, sure. When, you know, when do you want to do it? Um, So like John Foote was a case in point. I just was like, I was like starstruck. It was like talking to, you know, John Bonham or, Ringo Starr or somebody from, you know, one of the famous drummers that I'm in love with and then just going, oh my God. And he's like, oh, you know, hi, how are you? And you know, he's just this professor in England and happy to chat. And we were talking for about an, hour, about an hour or stuff. And I was just, once I got off, I just was like, I can't believe I just spoke to John Foote, you know? Right. And recently I talked to Tim Parks and he's, and he was the same when we started. So oh, this is such an honor and such a privilege. And he's like, oh, it's okay. It's, it's only me, you know, I'm, I'm just some schmuck in Italy. And I was like, oh, I know, but you know, this is, this is cool. Like your book was one of the very first books, A Season with Verona, right. that I ordered mail order um, via the post, you know, close to 20 years ago. I've got like four editions of it. I absolutely love it. And now I'm sitting here just talking to you about this book that you wrote 21 years ago or 20 years ago from, you know, my house over the internet in Wollongong. I'm like, this is, it's cool. It, it opens up doors and opportunities and if you're thinking about doing something and you want to do it and you're passionate about it, the, the key message is, yeah, just go for it. Just go for it. I mean, and sometimes it is just easy as that. It's just an email. It's just being kind and it's being, you know, willing to be rejected. Um, it's, it's wild that people will listen though. And like puts, and, and the idea is that what you and I are doing is quite similar is that we're also trying to open up people to a different way of thought whether it's you know and you're doing it through italian football and solely and i'm doing it through just the sport in itself but there's a whole broad universe out there and sometimes leaving your bubble in that comfort zone and i gotta take my own advice too sometimes but and that and that's okay too and that's and it's great and you may not agree with a point or or you may have a disagreement but in the end it's all kind of about the same love of the one thing you know, and one thing that leads me now to my next question, or the first question rather, is I want, you know, you're coming to us from Australia. I'm in New York City. Watching football in Europe is our, you know, focal point here. It's nice for us here on the East Coast of the United States because it's either early in the morning or in the middle of the afternoon. But talking about passionate fans and things you're passionate about, it's a whole different ball game for you down, down under. Uh, what time? the games generally kick off for you and how do you manage to watch them? So most, well, if it, in the European leagues, most games tend to kick off. You have like a midnight kickoff. There's a 2 a.m. kickoff. Uh, I think it's 2 a.m. or 2.50. And then you have a 4.45 kickoff. Oh my God. So for me, when I associate like European football or World Cups, 
it always means taking days off school, you know, taking a week off work because <laughs> you know you're going to be up through all hours. Um, but for me, yeah, like, like my earliest memory, um, and I've said this before, is the 1986 World Cup. So I don't remember it as much as Italia 90. So for me, Italia 90 is my first World Cup that I can vividly remember games and matches and moments. But I do remember the 86 World Cup. And I remember my dad essentially waking us up every morning at, you know, 4.30, just before the game's kicking off. And if he wasn't waking us up, I remember the sound of the coffee on the stove, the mocha. You know, you can hear the pressure boiling <laughs> and the pressure going and the steam. Um, so it's those 4 o'clock, 4.30 kickoffs, it's just what we're used to, I guess. You know, like I remember in Europe watching games in late afternoon and nighttime when I was there in Italy and France and wherever else. And it seems weird that you've still got the whole night ahead of you that, you know, oh, now what do I do? Like, I'm supposed to go to work now or go to school now. Um, but, yeah, like those earliest memories for me is my dad waking me up to watch the football. And there's still not a day, I'm pretty sure there's not a day goes by where I don't call my dad and we don't talk about football or we're not speaking about football. Um, but now it's reversed. Now that he's older, it's me calling him to wake him up or me driving to his place to to wake him up. So I, I I love, don't get me wrong, I'd love to have the games kicking off at 7 o'clock at night and 9 o'clock at night, prime time, et cetera. But there's also something special about uh, 4.30, 5 a.m. Kick, kick off with, you know, friends coming over, family coming over, um, the coffee on, breakfast, you know, getting yourself ready getting yourself ready for school or work and then bolting out the door. <laughs> and then it's my boss is, my boss is used to ter- me turning up, you know, a few minutes late because the game's gone over or extra time or penalties or yeah. So I've learned the hard way now, now during the world cup, you just, just take time off. <laughs> it's just much easier. So I've got a week, a week off, you know, you, you tend to plan it around the end, the third match day, the, the, the second round. Cause you know, you're going to, they're the ones that you really want to watch. Um, so just, yeah, take the time off and, and just relax. But yeah, it's just, I, I guess just something we're used to. Yeah. Like I still remember even as a, as, as a kid. And I remember my dad, we never, we had Ray, like Ray Italia. You, know, mm-hmm. and you remember when the goals would go in and the trumpets. <laughs> uh, yeah. And then the, the shitty cube would change. Yeah. And then, yeah. 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 And I remember, um, I forgot the name, the name of the show now, but I can distinctly remember me going to bed on a Sunday night. And whether it was a trained or it was just instinct. And I know my dad would, my dad would essentially park himself on the lounge at about eight o'clock, nine o'clock at night. He'd sleep till about midnight and then he'd be up like all night. But I distinctly remember waking to the sound of that so many times. I lost count the amount of times I would hear that. So most times, often in the night, I would get out of bed, even as a teenager, get out of bed, quickly go and see what, what was going on. Oh yeah, cool. And if it was something I wanted to watch, then I'd I'd, I'd either stay up with my dad for an hour or so, so or or go back to bed. But um, yeah, all those memories because it always brought like, and especially World Cups, they always bring, they always brought families together. It was you know my dad would invite his brother over, he would invite his party over, his best friends would come over. Then you know before you know it, it's quarter past five in the morning and there's twenty five people in your lounge room. You know, <laughs> a brother would wake up, neighbors would come over. It's it's the best. That's what's that's why we love football. It's it's the best. It brings everyone together. It does. And there's such a romantic thing about it. What's funny is is that I want to just 
I'm not calling out rye for anything, but it's a global, it's it's not just Italian network television. It is a global thing. And yet you're in Australia, I'm in New York, and my and my close mate Russ, who is on the end of season one, the uh huge interest of hand, we can make the same joke on how <laughs> terrible the graphics and the noise was. That's right. Yeah. That, a glo- global, global thing, global thing. And the picture and, as and well. No investment in it. The amount of times I'd say to my dad, I was like, I don't understand. Why are the cameras always then they have not even standard definition? It's it's always like all the pictures, the graphics, nothing was ever quite up to speed. (laughs) And I understand it's like the 80s and the 90s or the early 2000s. But now, like, you know, my iPhone shoots in 4K and I'm like three (laughs) generations behind. You can upgrade. It really is. They may as well shoot all their matches with iPhones. They're better off. They're better off. What's funny Uh, is, is that what you've gone an entire lifetime with I still complain about the 2002 World Cup in Korea and Japan because I was a senior in high school when that was going on and waking up at the same hours that you would normally wake up. And, you know, I shouldn't be complaining about it because that was just one month out of my life, whereas this has been nothing but your whole life. And I remember just being so miserable (laughs) watching those games. And when Italy crashed out, I said, the only game I'm going to be able to watch is the final. I can't keep up with the schedule. And I'm 18 and I'm supposed to have all this energy. And like, it's my last month of high school before I go off to college. So I don't have a care in the world. But I was so exhausted and so like not prepared for it that by the time the final came around, watching Brazil win was like, oh, thank God it's over. Yeah. And I've never, ever feel like that for a World Cup. Yeah. I was so happy to see Ronaldinho and, you know, uh, a phenomenal Ronaldo win. But it just, there was no joy for me. And I, because and I <laughs> you're so tired, you can't, you're so tired, there can't be any joy yet. And then in the opposite spectrum, it's almost like when something goes horrifically wrong. So I can still remember, actually, sidetracked from that. And that was why I grew up as a kid. I used to curse daylight saving. Because there was always an there was always an eight thirty or a nine pm kickoff in Italy, and all of a sudden that game got pushed to like eleven pm on a Sunday night, which I which always annoyed me. But um, going back to it, like I still remember trying to go to school after Italy lost the final to Brazil to a penalty shootout. So now imagine if you've you've slept through the night, you've woken up, it's four am, you've watched some horrific tragic event which you'll never get over in your entire lifetime. And then your mum's like, okay, get ready. You've got to go to school now. It's like, oh, really? Like, And then you know you've got to face people at school. People are going to start teasing you and harassing you. It's better It's better just call in sick. Don't go. Go into hiding for a few days and just hope that everyone forgets about it. But yeah, you, that's, the, that's probably the most traumatic experience as a child, having to go to high school the morning of USA 94. And I still can vividly remember walking into school and just going, oh, this is going to be the longest day of my life. Right. Oh, and boy. it probably has been close to being one of the longest days of my life. <laughs> you know, but that's get- what makes it. T- that's what makes the Italian national team so good. There's all these moments of joy. Don't get me wrong, but you know, without the joy, there's there's it's an there's, opera. Oh, with I've the joy, you have it. to have the suffering. So it's you can't have one without the other. Yeah, it's an opera. I've always said it, and the opera is life. And if we're good at, and if Italians are good at one thing, it's it's the food and the opera. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, and drama and, and drama, drama yeah. and of course australia never qualified so i grew up as a kid never having australia to support of the world cup because we'd perennially be always knocked out on the very last stage so it was um, 2006 your first world cup then yeah so australia qualified in 
1974. And then then up until that, the next gap was 2006. Wow. So 2006, when they qualified, it was amazing. And the whole country got behind them. And it it really was like the golden generation. You hear that all the time. Right. But there'll never be another Australian team like that team. And then, of course, for them to draw Italy, it was going to happen. Um, and, and for for the ending for the the way it the way it all went down, it was going to happen. But Australia was adamant that if they got through Italy, they were going to beat Ukraine. So yeah, all right, and, and it really was. It was they were going to go on one of those golden runs. But right. to get there, and now it seems to the point of where the state of Australian football is in, we qualify, we make it, and then it's just become like a bit of a blase. Oh, we made the World Cup, yay! Um, but the last World Cup. They really struggled, and I think the best thing for the game would have been actually been that they didn't qualify. Oh, interesting! To reset, like at a grassroots level, reset at a, a kids and a teenagers sort of at that level, uh, because the way it is at the moment, it tends to be that all the players they come up through the grades, and then essentially they go overseas. A lot of them aren't playing regularly mm-hmm. um, over here. There's a lot of you know established programs which you have to join. And if you don't join those programs as a teenager or as a child, you get left behind. Now, for you to, to join those programs, you have to pay. So it costs the kids a lot of money. Right, right. Whereas in the old days, you earned your spot in the representative teams. You earned your spot because you were a good player. Now, it's essentially you could be a good player, but if your parents can't afford to pay that three and $4,000 a year, then it's too bad. So you potentially could have hundreds, thousands of kids out there, talented kids who never get the chance to shine at representative level and never get the chance to shine at, at a, a national level, international level. And that generation, the 2006 generation, that was the old school. They came up playing, you know, with rep, rep teams, playing with their local team. And then playing, a lot of them playing like the National Soccer League here, which of course is folded now and now it's the A-League. Right. Um, but a lot of them then moved overseas, but they all worked hard. Like, you know, the local guy from Wollongong, he was a bus driver playing for the local NSL team, National Soccer League. So he was a bus driver during the day and then he'd finish up his shift in the morning, go and play for, uh, go and train, play for the Wolves on the weekend and then go back to driving buses in the morning. And then he, then he got picked for Australia. So he was known as, you know, the bus driving left wow. back. So this was Scott Chipperfield. Whereas in now it's it's almost everything just gets handed to them and they expect the path. Anyway, I'll go on another rant here. This will this will take us. No, but this is quite interesting though because it echoes what goes on in America. Mm. And what's funny is is that I had Alvaro Perez uh, from Uruguayan Football Heroes on in season three, and he was talking about how the same thing goes on in Canada, where he's based out of, and talking about how growing up in Uruguay it was free, in Italy it's free, and seeing it in Europe that you know majority of the European countries it's free to just play, you know, and what you're saying the merit based. Now it's different. And that pay to play system seems to be at a grassroots level seems to be hindering. And when you see the countries that it's hindering, there's a common denominator in all that. They don't do that. Yes, of course, Canada has finally qualified for their first World Cup for Qatar 2022. It's fantastic. But how long did it take to get to that moment? And you're seeing you're telling me how Australia is struggling. And I see the US team and I don't get there's, to me, like as the men's team, I'm like, there's really nothing to get that excited about. But I get why people are excited for sure. But for me, as you know, kind of like a neutral here on that for them, I'm not trying to thumb my nose at it, but I say to myself, well, 
there's still the same issues that have been forever is that the defense is terrible. The goaltending is fine. We don't have Tim Howard anymore. So it's a little less than fine. And it's just attack, attack, attack with no creative midfield play or setup. And that and it's it's the same cycle that I just have seen over the years watching. Yeah, Australia's Australia's the same. Same, same problem. The same thing. The same problems that have you know since twenty ten. They can't seem to fix it. They just go. We just go round and round, round the roundabout. It's like it's very frustrating to watch. But they just played two friendly games against New Zealand as a World Cup farewell. And if the performances they gave there are any indication as to what's what has happened um, in Qatar and what's going to happen in the future. Um, yeah, they just they just need a whole reset, a whole reset. So now is football – now I know Australia is huge in rugby. It's huge in Aussie rules football, which is like the most violent sport I've ever seen. Uh, it kind of reminds me of Calcio Storico in, Flo- in Florence uh, without like the funky costumes uh, or the bare-chested men. I don't know, one of the two. But um, – but is soccer a big game there? In terms of participation for juniors, I'm talking like ages six to you know, 12, 13, 14 up, then it's a big, you'd say it's a big game. It's probably still, I think it is, I could be wrong, um, has the highest numbers in terms of participation rate for kids because a lot of parents don't want their kids playing rugby league. They don't want their kids playing AFL or rugby union. Um, but that's the problem. So essentially we have, there's a, there's a breakdown. So you have more kids wearing shirts of European football teams and idolizing players than actually going to support the A-League or going to support their local teams. Um, we've got teams, clubs who have been around for over 100 years that can't field junior teams because you've got kids going to join other teams in other areas because their friends play there or other teams where there's a junior club that's essentially so strong, they hoover up all the talent all around you. So you've got three or four big, big sort of regional divides. And this is just where I live, where you've got other teams struggling. Um, And then at a sort of a higher level, you've got the A-League on, which is our national league. Um, Now the A-League, you have, it's all on pay TV, so subscription, like a streaming service, but you've only got a live Saturday night game at 7.30 and a live Sunday afternoon game. So those games are on the the channel that uh, televises the A-League to. It's not on their first channel. It's not on their second channel. It's on their third channel. So it's essentially, um, you know, it's the channel which runs, you know, reruns of the Big Bang Theory 24-7. And then every now and again, they have a, they have a stop because they want to show the A-League. Now, we had round one over the weekend. Uh, sorry, over the weekend. We've had this season kickoff. Uh, and the problem, which always seems to come up again every year, is it just takes one incident at a game where, you know, some clown will have a flare or someone will chant something inappropriate. And that gets more attention, publicity, and media than what, you know, right. would do if someone scores a cracking goal and it gets nominated for the Pushkas Award. Right. But it's just, yeah, it's, it's almost like the mainstream media always wants to push football down. Um, we always want to push football up, but there's never that happy ground. Um, AFL, um, to a greater extent on the Eastern coast, like the Eastern side of Australia, rugby league, 
just dominate the news cycle. And then when they finish their seasons, cricket starts. So that tends cricket, to dominate right. the news cycle. Yeah. And the, the, the old NSL used to be played in the winter. So it ran parallel to the AFL and the rugby league. Uh, whereas in the A-League now runs in the summer. So you've also got like the National Basketball League plays in summer. You've got the, I think the netball runs in summer, the, like the National Netball Competition. You've got the cricket, which runs in summer. So you've got like the test matches. You've got the the 2020, which is like the, I think you, I don't know if you know what that is or not. It's essentially like a 20 over game. So they come in, okay. they just smash the ball around 24, you know, for 20 overs. And then the game's over in like two hours. Okay. Um and then when you go to the netball or you go to the MBL or you go to the cricket, you know, you can get kids in there for, you know, $10. Mm-hmm. Um, there's music, there's fireworks, there's everything's going off. And then you go to the A-League and and it's it might be $20, $30 to get a, a child in there and they've got to sit there and watch two teams play at an entertaining nil or draw. It doesn't do much. You know, it doesn't do a lot. And it's hard to find if you want to watch it again. Um, you know, you've got to go searching through the channels to find out. And if you don't know which channel it's on, then... You just put it on one channel and it's not there. Okay. You're not going to think to go, oh, I've got to go, you know, a hundred channels deep to go and find it. Um, so it is a big sport, but predominantly it's a big sport thanks to the huge um, immigrant uh, population. You know, like 99% of people that I know that follow football have either have, you know, an Italian, an English, a Croatian, et cetera, et cetera, background. And that's because of their parents arrived here. Yeah. And, and that's, and so same with a lot of the clubs. A lot of the clubs in Australia all have that ethnic background and have that history, mm-hmm. but that's sort of been squashed for for better or worse um, because in the old days, Soccer Australia said, we don't want you to have, you know, Brunswick, Juventus with the Italian flag in your colours. You've got to take that out. You've now just got to be known as a generic, you know, Brunswick Zebras, for example, right. and you've got to change your badge. You can't be called Sydney Croatia anymore. You've got to take out the Croatian shield and the, and the red and white checks, you just got to be called Sydney United. So that that divide split a lot of people, and they yeah. that made a lot of people unhappy, I guess. And there there's good there's good things to it, and there's bad things to it. But that place, like that local NSL game, was an experience where, say, for example, Sydney United and Sydney United has a, a far right support. You know, there's which they were in the news for late last year because they were chanting, you know, right-wing chants and, you know, uh, there's just some bunch of idiots who thought, you know, they knew what they were doing with no ramification of what they're chanting about. They're just following the crowd and and they should be held responsible, but whether they do or not, that's up to, I guess, the police and the Football Australia. But um, going back to it, like when those people were going to watch Sydney United in the day, that was a place where, Thousands of Croatians could go, all my dad's age and older. They could go there. They could be comfortable. They'd be eating Croatian food. They knew all the people there. They could speak their language. It was a place where they could go and feel safe, mm-hmm. I guess. And it was a place where you could go and feel welcoming. And you knew that it wasn't an issue for you to stand there and speak Croatian to the person next to you. Right. Whereas in you know, if you did that outside of football, you'd be called a, a Sheila, a Wog. You know, all all those those <laughs> like Johnny Warren's book, Sheila's Wogs and Poofters, because that was what you that they, they were the three terms. Apologies to everybody for using that, but they were the three terms that you know, if you played football, that was what you were known as. Wow. Um, whereas in now, it's all just very generic. So it's like you know, Sydney FC, right? 
Adelaide United, Melbourne Victory, Brisbane Raw. Like it, it's, it's like the MLS. It's kind of yeah, it's, it's that's kind right. of like yeah, it's yeah. watered it's all down franchises. Like, right. And, yeah. Very very generic, and you know you can't be. It's like they want you to ramp up the passion, but at the same time, when you get too passionate and they get too vocal and get too loud, it's like okay, everyone, calm down. <laughs> You know, calm down. That's enough. That's enough. Because you you know the first thing that the the mainstream media and the the um the news limiteds of the world and the Fox News of the world here in Australia first thing they're going to do on is as soon as they see a flare go up or they see you know a, they hear a chant or they see someone go a little bit too over the top that's going to be headline news the next day. Wow, see, which I, is sad. Really, it's, it is sad. It's I mean, sad because they don't report on the good stuff. It's always like they're just looking for an issue. Right. It just sucks the life out of the Australian game. You know, my only point of reference to the A-League was about a decade ago when Del Piero went to go play for Sydney FC. What was that reception like, you know, having this superstar here? Like, I because I remember when, and it still happens, like whenever, you know, a former player comes to play in MLS or a former City A player or Premier League or even La Liga, comes to play in MLS, it's still a huge deal. And I get really excited by it because now I can finally see them for a couple bucks. But Del Piero arriving in Australia was, one, completely foreign territory, and two, the only celebrity, really, if you think about it, in that entire league. And that is not no disrespect to the rest of the A-League players, but I can't name an entire lot of them. I only knew the one guy. And watching him, because they would broadcast, uh, BN would actually broadcast a couple of his games. And um, I remember watching and going, he actually looks like he's having a blast. Like, he looks like he's having a ton of fun. The reception seems to be really great. But as you said, what's shown on television and what isn't is different things. So what was that like having him come to your town, but also then that reception? And, of course, being Italian, of course. Uh, amazing. Amazing. He. He like transformed the game. So, um, and, and this is not someone who's, you know, made stop multiple stops on the way. He left Juventus right. and apparently turned down Liverpool to come to Sydney FC. So, and it was only just by chance. I think the chairman of Sydney FC at the time, Tony Pignata, mm-hmm. was in contact with an agent in Italy and just said, oh, if he ever wants to come to Sydney, um, let me know. And I think the agent mentioned it to his brother. And Del Piero said, oh, yeah, that'd be fun. You know, just something completely different. Yeah. And then I think it just just got the ball rolling, got the conversation going. Now, when he arrived, the day after he arrived, the Sydney Morning Herald, which is the equivalent of, say, the New York Times, mm-hmm. printed their front and back page uh, entirely in pink. And then wow. in like homage to La Gazetta. Yep. Wow. And... All the headlines, all the, um, what is it called? The mast, like, you know, like yeah, the, the date, masthead. the time, all the headlines, the masthead, everything was all in Italian. And then same when you opened it, a couple of pages Whoa. in, I still, got copy, still got a copy of it. It was all in Italian. <laughs> and then essentially it was just a tribute to Del Piero. Now they've never done that. I've never seen that before and I've never seen it since. Wow. Um, the impact he had was insane, insane. It, it was like... Uh, Beatlemania, I guess, because it wasn't only just Sydney and him training at Sydney. So, like for example, Sydney, no one had ever gone gone to watch Sydney FC train. Um, my dad and I went up there about six or seven months into the season, and it was really good. There was probably maybe ten people there, and afterwards we got to meet him and got a photo, and he signed a jersey, and he was you know happy as Larry. Um, but it wasn't only just Sydney; it was you know then you see 
he goes to Adelaide and a huge the and Adelaide's got a very large Italian population. So what do they do? They all come out. So he sells out Adelaide's ground. Then he'd go to Brisbane and the same thing would happen. He'd go to Perth, he'd go to Melbourne. Um, so he bought a huge amount of buzz to the A-League and a huge amount of publicity. And his performances in the first season generated not only not only warranted, sorry, excuse me, um, that, but he was just miles ahead of everyone. He, mm-hmm. You could just see he was already one or two steps ahead of everyone. <laughs> and not only in terms of pace, but what he was doing with the ball and his mind just ticking over. Um, and of course, the debut game they sold out in Sydney, I think it was close to 44,000 or thereabouts. Wow. Can't remember if it was a sellout. But of course, Sydney FC won and who they win? It was a free kick off Del Piero. So he got a free kick about 25 metres, 30 metres outside the box and did his thing and away you go. Got the ball rolling and yeah, he was, he was fantastic. It was fantastic. Um, his second season on the field wasn't as good. It, it was almost as if the first season, everything went to plan. Mm-hmm. And then the start of the second season, I think from memory, I don't know if it was preseason, he got injured or something happened in the preseason. And then it was as forever as if he was keeping up. And it, it almost looked like in the second season, it just a flick switch, like the switch flicked, flick, the switch. Yeah, it just turned and he he was all, almost one step behind very quickly. Oh, wow. Um, everyone had cottoned on to what he was doing. Everyone knew what he was going to do. It was, yeah, it, it was sort of a struggle the, the second season to watch him play. It was almost as if he played that one season and then he just left. That would have been perfect. Um, but the second season he tended to struggle and then I think he left Sydney. He asked for some pretty ridiculous money and they just said, oh, it's not worth what we're getting. Because again, same off the field, the second season it all tended to, um, the gloss tended to come off a little bit and people were like, oh yeah, it's Del Piero's here. Everyone just came used to it, you know. But I think for him, and I've written about this on my blog too, he talks about Sydney in a completely different experience off the field where he says, I got to come to Sydney I got to bring my family here. My kids got to go to school, learn English. Um, he could walk down the street. No one could care less. Everyone just left him alone. Um, he just got to be himself. That's why Pirlo loved New York City so much for the exact yeah. same reason. Yeah. Yeah. Um, his family loved it. His wife loved it. Um, and then he moved to India afterwards, which is like complete contrast right. in terms of lifestyle. But uh, he was only talking about it last week because I had an interview with him in the paper and he was still talking about how fo- like he, he still fondly talks about Sydney and how it was, you know, some of the, the best years of his life because he was so happy off the field mm-hmm. and his family was so happy to be here that it was a great time for him. Um, but it just, yeah, it was massive. It was massive. And it was essentially somebody in their prime just saying, well, I'm just going to go and move here and, and just try that challenge. Um, now it's... You can't quite compare, like, if Messi would move to not quite going to the Serie A, but, you know, like him leaving, I don't know, he was, what, 36 at the time, but still him leaving Juventus to come to Sydney, it didn't seem it didn't seem real at the time. But, yeah, it happened and it was amazing. It was fantastic. Fantastic. You know, he's an Azzurri icon. You and I will talk about him as a hero because of just the national team, but obviously he played for a team that we didn't like, but you are also, I, I actually told him, sorry to cut you off. Yeah, I actually, good. I actually said to him when I met him and I couldn't resist. I said, um, Ali, um, I, I, I have, he has, he has more talent in my pinky toenail 
than what I've got my entire body. And I, I love what he's doing in Sydney, but I was never a fan of the Italian team when he played for Italy. But in 2006, my whole opinion of him just changed because, of course, that Italy-Germany game. Yeah. It's, I, it's the, like that extra time period was just insane. And for what he did on that counterattack, he changed the minds of millions, you know. I still get goosebumps and I'm thinking about it now. Are you giving them to me um, now? <laughs> because for time and time again for the national team, you know, in particularly France 98, and he just – he oh, it's not like he let people down, but it was just so disappointing because it, it, everyone had the hopes, you know. He was the new right. budget or he was this, he was that. Um, but I said to him, 2006, I said, oh, I just – it's amazing. Still incredible. Still incredible. Yeah. It truly is, you know, and he, you know, he's had a wonderful career. He now owns a restaurant in LA, which I plan on getting to at some point. But, you know, again, he played for a team that was a rival to a team of every team in Italy, I should say. Mm -hmm. Uh, You are a technically rival fan of the team that I support. So how did you become an Inter Milan fan? So explain to us how that came about. Uh, so I, so my my mum, my brother, and my sister went to Italy in eighty nine. I think it was late eighty nine, early ninety. And essentially, the short story is my brother came home with a whole stack of AC Milan gear and supported AC Milan. And prior to him leaving, I said, "Well, fine then. If you go for AC Milan, I can't be the same as you. I'll go for the other Milan." So that's that's essentially where my love of Inter came from. Um, so he. Yeah, I I sort of started supporting them at a great time because, of course, you had Bremer, yeah. Mateus, Klinsman, and that whole era of Trapattoni was there and, and you know, the list goes on and on. But it was a, a great time to support them. So I essentially just just started. It was, it was difficult back then because the only means of supporting them was uh, following them through Italian newspaper, mm-hmm. which my dad used to bring home every Monday. He used to buy every Monday and Friday edition. And of course, Monday afternoons when he'd come home from work, um, I used to go straight to the sports section and pretend I knew exactly what I was reading and I could read it word for word, even though I had no idea what they were talking about. But I'd go through all the scores, all the tables, the players. I'd look at the match reports that had all the ratings. Um, and that that was it. I never really, aside from Italian 90, we never had anything as a kid to watch, mm. like pre-Italian 90. Um, we never had any Italian league. You'd, you'd have highlights every now and again on on uh, SBS, which was like a free-to-air channel. Mm-hmm. And they'd show, it was called the World Game, and they'd show, um, you, you might see, you know, 30 seconds of a game. Um, so that, that was it. That was my only really exposure to it. After Italian 90, things sort of sort of changed. But um, I just jumped on board and, yeah, I just didn't want to be the same as my brother. And then <laughs> that decision's sort of, I've been blessed by it and haunted by it. Ever since, yeah. Although I do find, as I get older, I do find I'm tend, and even now I'm tending to become way more neutral. Um, and I'm just happy just to watch Serie A or Serie B. I, like if they lose, it upsets me. Um, and and if they win, I'm happy. But it's not, you know, the be all and end all. I guess. I guess that's what age and kids and you know life does to you. I was um, just going to say, you can't, wisdom, emote, you can't just really- you, <laughs> you can't expand i can't i no longer can expand that amount of energy and stress and worry about something that i have no control over <laughs> just enjoy the excitement and the thrill yeah i'm to be honest i'm just happy if people start watching italian football 
and they're getting into the Serie A or they're getting into Serie B or whatever, then that's cool by me. So we now are at a point where, you know, Australia is trying to break away from the union of the of Great Britain and all this. You know, we keep talking about that for the Queen's uh, passing. That's that's a big topic of conversation here in America uh, after the uh, passing of Queen Elizabeth. But so I'm going to make the assumption that the Premier League is the like a huge league in Australia. Does City A get and a lot of love there or is it really just in the pockets of the Italian communities or the Australian Italian communities? And that's really all who's watching it in your country. Well, I'd have to say yes. I'd have to lean towards yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The the problem. And and again, the problem here with football in Australia is you've got, excuse me, you've got the A league, which is on a streaming service and then two games on free to wear. You've got the Premier League, which is on a separate streaming service. Mm. They now show La Liga together. So that's great for those two. I'm happy for them um, to, to do that. Great. Good on you for the supporters. But unfortunately, the Italian League is on a separate streaming service, which shows the Italian and the German League and a few others. Um, then you've got the Champions League on a separate streaming service. So you've almost essentially, you've got to have, you know, what, four or five subscriptions to cover every single league. Um, and of course, the Premier League. And now that La Liga has joined, when I heard that at the start of the year, I thought, ah, oh, crap. Because that's, for the Serie to get more exposure in Australia, they need to get onto that streaming service. That's right. what I think. Um, at the moment, the Serie is on there. But I mean, with the, the way they issued the rights to, the, to Oceania and Asia and all that sort of jazz, like last year, last year with one day to go in the season, we still didn't know where it was going to be in Australia. So they Whoa. had no no coverage, nothing. And then I think they did something similar this year to, uh, was it the Middle East and Africa? Yes. Where it was, yes. Know, they chopped and changed around here. So um, it's on a pay TV subscription. And then again, it's on, uh, I call it Mr. Bean, but it's on Bean, a Bien Sport. Okay, yeah. Mr. Bean Sport. I call it Mr. Bean Sport. So it's on Mr. Bean Sport. And of course, they show the live games, which essentially, and they pick up the world feed. Um, but if you're just a random fan who just wants to watch football on free to air TV, it's you'll never, you'll never ever see an Italian um, highlight at all. But you could watch the mainstream news of the big channels, you know, like the CBSs and the NBCs mm-hmm. and those sorts of ABC of the world. They will show uh, Premier League uh, highlights. They'll show goal packages. You know, overnight. Liverpool defeated, you know, whoever, um, 4-3. And here's, here are some of the goals. But you'll never see, you know, overnight, uh, Milan absolutely dominated a old-looking, weary Juventus. And here are the goals. Um, it just it won't happen. Wow. Unless so there's some sort of freak of nature happens where, you know, a goalkeeper scores from 90 metres or, you know, <laughs> it hits the lines when he gets knocked out and he trips over the advertising boarding and then, the ball goes in. Lightning struck him. And yeah, so that's right. You'll never see here. anything. Yeah. yeah. So you very rarely see any of that sort of stuff. Um, whereas in the Premier League tends to dominate. You know, if you go to the big sports chains, they've got Premier League shirts. They've got La Liga shirts. Mm-hmm. They've got Bayern Munich shirts. They may have Juventus. They may have Inter Milan or AC Milan, but it tends to be like in all the kids of my age, like you know, my son's age. So he's what, 10, uh, 11 now, sorry. Um, all of his friends will all have Premier League shirts. They'll all either have Premier League shirts 
Messi shirts, a Barcelona or a PSG version, and they'll have a Ronaldo shirt, like a United shirt. Mm. Um, wow. I've told kids off coming into my house before, get it off. You're not wearing that crap in my house. I tell like one of my, I've done it to my nephew's friends. I've done it to my son's friends and they don't know how to take it. Yeah. One of them tried to walk in with the Juventus shirt. I was like, get out. He's like, what? I said, get out. You're not wearing that in here. Oh, I don't have any other clothes. I said, I don't care. Get out. You're not coming over. And I love that like, rule. What? What? <laughs> is he serious? And my nephew, my nephew's laughing. He's, it's okay. Come in. Come in. <laughs> You know what's funny is is that they some there's that common phrase which you know you uh you shouldn't complain because someone always has it worse. I complained an entire lifetime on how difficult it was to watch City on America. Your story, <laughs> my story pales in comparison to yours. You had it so much harder and continue to have it harder. Uh obviously well, the internet well, has blessed us. You know, yeah, well, 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 before, like it was on Ray. So my dad, even my dad could watch it, but he got that, this little subscription box where he gets, you know, like 50 Italian channels. Right. But even on that now, he can't even watch it on it's that. It's not They've on Ray anymore. No, it's not on Ray anymore. So now he's like, oh, I can watch CDB and I can watch uh, Lega Pro. And I'm like, oh, that's awesome. He can actually watch the A-League on Italian TV and watch every game, <laughs> which he can't do here in Australia, but he can't watch CDR matches. And then he's got like, they've got like Sport Italia and all these other versions of, you know, where they show, they go, oh, you know, well, let's just sit there and watch people watching the game, but we can't show you the game. You know, that sort of thing. Right, yeah. Um, but you, you can't see it. So, and it's it's not only possible to, to see it, you know, like, it's like I've mentioned to you before. I've got, I'm a Montreal Expos fan. I've got to make, I've got, that's a, contractually obliged plug i've got to put into every podcast i do i love it if i walk down the street in new york like when i was in new york i had my expos hat on people were like hey expos and i was like yeah cool you know like it's just so, oh, so happy and then here if i walk down the street no one has any idea what i'm talking about and it's the same here if you see if i see i saw a guy wearing a um what was he wearing he was wearing an empoli shirt about 18 months ago Whoa. and i like i was like oh oh my god i was like oh i had to go and talk to him you know, like swarm all over him. He, and then it just turned out, oh, no, someone gave it to me because they went to Italy. And I was just, oh. <laughs> That's a bummer, man. Like, And I was wearing it. Yeah, I was like, oh, what a bugger. Like, that, I was real bummed out about it. But it's, yeah, it's it's not a huge thing over here. But yeah, like you said, Italy, I'm sorry, America, Canada, you guys might have it just as bad trying to find the Italian game. Well, you know, now it's obviously, it, it's, it's thanks to obviously all these streaming networks that has gotten better over the years. It's now on Paramount, CBS. Um, and they do a fantastic coverage uh, here in the States. Prior to that, it was ESPN. Prior to that, it was BN. Prior to that, it was Fox Soccer. Prior to that, now I'm talking early, 2000, early 2000s, it was nowhere. It was a barren wasteland. And if my uncle didn't get La Gazette de la Sport, I, you know, I, and I didn't have any idea. You know, Google really wasn't a thing then, you know, early 2000s. Like you, Yahoo or Bing, the scores, like try and find them. Uh, it was rather difficult. Obviously, it's gotten better. It obviously has gotten so much better, but it's still now the you know it's it's fierce competition with exactly what you just said with La Liga, with Premier League, with and it's funny is that it's in competition with a Messi and Ronaldo less Premier La Liga, and but they you, all do such a wonderful job at attracting new people. You yeah, know, like La Liga does a great job. You know, they've got the English speaking platforms right. their youtube channels you know all the data and the analytics that are available 
it's such a cool job to attract people to the game. You know, it looks great. And Teddy R, to be fair, their Twitter page, every now and again, they go off on a tangent. No one seems to understand what's going on. Um, but their YouTube page is great. Um, the the website, funnily enough, is really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just, yeah, trying to get new people there. I, I remember the amount of viruses my dad's lap, um, computer used to get. <laughs> we used to click yes. on everything and everything. Yes. Because my dad discovered, um, what is it, like a legal... You know, like the yeah. Um, I mean, what was the illegal stream? What was yeah? It we used to have we used to have about he'd have about I'm I'm not exaggerating. He must have about forty pop ups open every Sunday night, and he all I'd hear was just him clicking, clicking, closing all these pop ups. I would love for someone to walk <laughs> in. He always room call me on it. Monday and just go, "Oh, I got this pop up, and it's, I can't seem to close the thing. Can you come over and have a look at it?" And I go, "Where this one come from?" And he's like, "Oh, I was watching." Uh, Regina play um, Inter and I was on the eighth link. Um, so I clicked it and I got through. It was good. It was all in Arabic, but it was great right. picture. And I right. could understand always... all of it. Yeah, yeah. Or, or I was watching some French stream um, and he was only doing that up until about two years ago before I think he gave up because the amount of calls I'd get. I mean, well, I would love for like one of your kids to walk in and be like, "Grandpa, are you watching porn?" Like, is it's always triple X <laughs> pop ups? It's always like these are not. Th- I can't watch this at work. Are you out of your mind? I can't watch this with people around. But it's right. You, yeah, I forgot all about that. That that yeah. to me feels like the Stone Age, and that was only five or six years ago. Yeah, which... that's right. Yeah, and that was our that was our only way of watching Italian right? football there for a couple of years because it was on nothing. There was no there was no coverage anywhere in Australia. I will say like the internet is great. Fan groups are great. You know, social media is good for that. Um, City has been making strides. They opened up a New York city office over the summer. They really have been trying to get that engagement. And I think once they do, and people really start to see that there are the likes of Vlahovic and there are the likes of Mike Magnon and Leal. And of course, Lataro Martinez and just so many phenomenal players, not just on the bigger teams or like, I mean, I didn't say bigger, but like more popular teams, but you have, you know, Atalanta and Udinese this season have been oh. extraordinary. That's yeah. the story that you want to, Lazio, what Sarri is doing with Lazio does not get talked yeah. about enough. Yeah. Mourinho, the greatest character ever in, in Roma. I mean, you can't beat that. And, and it's, not only, it's not only that, it's like, well, if you want to go on holidays and you want to go anywhere in the world, you want to go, you want, A, you want to go to a tourist attraction or you want to go visit a really nice area. B, you want to go and eat absolutely fantastic food. And okay, if you want to chuck some sport in there, well, where else do you want to go in the world? It's the greatest place in the world to watch football. And you can go to Genoa and, and head down the coast down that way and go and watch Spezia play. And right. you're in, you know, you're close to Cinque Terre. You can go to Rome and spend a few days in Rome walking the city. You can go to Milan and you could go, you know, down south and go to Catania, Messina, go to Reggio and watch the Gina play. Go it's to Palermo, got, baby. Come yeah, on. Go to Palermo. <laughs> yeah. It's got everything. Like, where else would you want to go? You're so right. So they need to engage people in that, you know, and like, oh, okay, great. I want to go to, uh, no offense, I want to go to Manchester, in, you know, and watch watch a team play. Oh, that's great. But like, I'll go. I'd go to the. I'd go to Cinque Terre and, and hang out there and watch Genoa and Spezia and Sampdoria, all that area any day of the week. 
It's what Mourinho said to Tammy Abraham to convince him to come to Roma in the 2021 season. Do you want to stay in London in the rain or do you want to win in the sunshine? (laughs) And it was sort of just Tammy sitting there. Well, that's a no brainer. Yeah, that's right. It's It's perfect. perfect. I'm surprised that like between City and the Greek Super League, they don't do the same because like the Hellas League should be doing the same thing. That's the best. That's also their pitch as well. You want to watch football on the beach? By the way, look at this history. Oh, yeah. and, have, and have some delicious food. You know, look, I, I'll eat yeah. tiki sauce all day long. Like this is great. I'll watch. <laughs> this is fine. Just like and it gets a bad rap for how hard it is to. I say this to people all the time. It's not. It may, it may have been years gone by, but at the moment, it's not that difficult. Like, someone sent me a message last week and said, oh, "I'm going to Bergamo. I want to get tickets." Oh, is it difficult? And I said, no, it's not. Just here you go. I'll give you the link. I sent him the link and I said, just wait. And you get your period before the game and you just buy a ticket like you, you do anywhere else. It's really oh, not see, that I had no idea. That was anymore. actually, I've actually yeah. never purchased a ticket over there. Yeah. I did what six games in 2019 and I purchased all six just through the club, um, just wow. through their, their official ticket website, I guess, you know, as if I'm going to turn up to the baseball and come and watch. The Yankees or the Mets. I just go on their website and buy a ticket. Um, and okay, you need your passport. You take your passport with you. You need your ticket. You got to scan through the gates, you know, and then away you go. But yeah, it's not that difficult. It's not that hard. But in terms of like an overall package, they they do need better stadiums. They do need better pictures. Right. They need to present the league in itself um, better. And they do do that. Like their YouTube page is really good, and they have like a stack of interviews. They have like that magazine type show. Mm-hmm. Um, they have the highlights packages and, you know, there's, there's guys like yourself and other podcasts that are trying to spread the word, um, of the Italian game and good luck to everyone. It's, the more people that follow it, the better it is for everyone. I think, I think, especially this season, if you're going to follow, this is the season to watch because I know by the time this podcast runs, we'll be half at the halfway mark, but the way things are going, it's if a team sneezes, and misses a goal or an opportunity the whole the whole table changes every week you know one of the things that i really appreciated was that how hungry every all the teams in the top 10 are just starving to try and win because again like you can go you could be number two one week seven or eight the following it's unbelievable if you lose the bottom half of the table is now just struggling for survival, which is also a whole other competition in itself. It's a game within a game. Some of the teams I wish would be doing better. I can't believe that Italiano and Fiorentina are not up to snuff this season. I don't, it's a whole enigma to me, but that being said, the level of competition, it's not just one team is going to blow everybody out. It's, I think that's the other thing too, for what hurt them for about a decade or those nine years was when it was just Juve winning and kudos to Juve for just doing that. And like that, that's phenomenal. That is an amazing achievement. And I think though, that turned a lot of folks off to like, why am I going to watch a league where it's just one team? And I feel like sometimes other leagues get that same rap where Bundesliga is a similar thing where it's 90% of the time Bayern, that 10%, or 5% Dortmund and that 5% other. And at least in the last like 10 years or so this season, it might look to change that, which makes it so much more exciting. But if you're going to follow City, now is the time to do it. The characters are great. And plus then when you turn on Frank's podcast, you'll know exactly what he's talking about. 
which is which well, is the I, best part I, I of don't it all. I have no idea what I'm talking about, so I don't expect anyone else to understand. <laughs> Fine. You, you fake it till you make it, my friend. Uh, yeah. Before we jump off into the best section of the podcast, it's been great, mate. And as I said in the intro, your support to cover Mundial has meant the world to me. Thank you for finding me and what I'm doing here and really being, again, the first fan. And again, first and in Australia, nonetheless, too, it still blows my mind. <laughs> It really uh, means so much to me and your nice words to me have constantly kept me motivated. So just thank you so much. And again, thank you for coming on today. That's right. It's time for a coffee break. I think Sal, isn't that what the, the commercial says? The lovely lady says now time for a coffee break. Curva Mundial is sponsored by Mod Cup Coffee in Jersey City, but you can get it anywhere in the world from modcup.com. Mod Cup, drink modern coffee. Use code MUNDIAL for 10% off your first order. Here we go. Final part. If you could bring back one one retired player to your club, alive or dead, who would it be and why? Every time I hear this question on the show, I have a different answer. And I've always thought, if I ever go on the show and he asks me, I'll say Lothar Mateus. Ooh, okay. Into Milan, because when I grew up, he was like a machine to me. He was like a robot. And it was like, we need someone to score a goal. Mateus would score a goal. We need someone at the back. Mateus would be at the back. We need someone in the middle. Mateus was in the middle. He was the first player where I grew up watching as a kid and, and hearing stories about and reading about him. And I saw him in Italia 90 that I was both in awe of and scared of at the same time. That it just didn't seem it was possible for a player to be such an all-round player and, and just to be everywhere all the time. Um, but then I will listen to another episode and I go, it has to be Roberto Baggio. Straight from Florence, get him straight to Inter and just let him go. Yeah. And then I hear it again and I go, well, you know what? I'd take those two years of prime Maradona at Inter any day, straight off the boat from, from Barcelona. Um, but I'll have to go with my original answer and stick with Lothar Mateus. because. Yeah, he'd he'd come in handy about now. Yeah. <laughs> well, he'd come in handy to any side, but yeah, when they were there, like those three Germans, like it was Klinsmann, Mateus, and Bremer, um, with Trapattoni's Inter, it just yeah, it just it blew me out. And of course, you had the three Dutchmen in in Holland, which was oh sorry, Milan, which you know whether they planned it or not, the two the two clubs, it was just, it was incredible. Um, but yeah, Mateus for me as a kid, I just like I loved Andreas Bremer because I always felt like he got no attention. He was cool as, mm-hmm. um, and Klinsman was just Klinsman. But Mateus for me was yeah, he's on another level. So he's, think he's the man. He, you know, he's one of those players you sort of always wish was on your team. You hate playing against them. You love him if you have him. Mm-hmm. I could see him still playing in the modern game today <laughs> for everything that you just said, and I think he would probably put Inter at the top without any question now it's it, he would fit so well if your club now money is not an option now I know Steven Zhang might be running out of it allegedly but now let's pretend money is not an option and your club could sign one player today who would it be and why at the moment I'm really worried about their defense so I, I would want to sign a center back um I wonder if Matthias De Litt would want to come back to Italy. Probably not, but yeah, him or Upper Meccano, what's his name, the French centre-back? Okay. Was it Red Bull? Um, 
Actually, I, I love mid. I, I've always loved midfielders. Like Cambiasso was one of my loves. Iran yeah. was one of my loves. I Simeone. I have this obsession with Argentinian number fives. I don't know what it is. And to me, that new equivalent of that now is, and this is purely thanks to Football Manager, because I purchased him as a youngster straight from Uruguay. Would be, and I've, uh, to be honest, I've never watched him play because I tend not to watch a lot of Champions League. I'll only watch highlights of the Italian teams, but um, I would take in a heartbeat uh, Federico Valverde, the Uruguayan midfielder for Inter. Yeah, I would fly to Madrid and drive him in a car to Milan if it if that's what it takes. If he's listening to the, this episode, um, but yeah, I I just I don't know. There's just something about him. He just tends he he has like I've, I've spoken to Tim Vickery about him, and Tim mm. Vickery reckons he has three lungs, and he's just relentless. He doesn't stop. He's got so much energy. Um, as much as I would want to pick Delit, I think that's more a. Uh, that's a spur of the moment decision. I'll have to say Valverde from Madrid. He'd be the man. He'd I be love, great in that inter midfield. Thought here, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> plus, plus a Valverde Barella uh, Linko. Oh, yeah, yeah, beautiful, beautiful, be really fantastic. And finally, what has been your favorite moment as a fan? Oh, I forgot you asked that question too. Yeah. <laughs> Um, it's just, it's to me, my favorite moment as a fan and I'll, I'm like, you can't see it. And that's why I'm looking away into the distance. Cause I'll get a bit all, I get a bit emotional about it, but get as emotional as you want, my friend. Yeah. So without my dad, I would never follow football, but when I went to Euro 2016, and it was always my dad waking me up as a kid. And when I was in the stadium and I was watching Italy versus Belgium. And just before the national anthem started, the Italian national anthem. And I'm still my all, I'm a furry dude, but all my furs are standing up on the edge at the moment. Um, I called my dad and woke him up. And it was what, you know, quarter past four in the morning. Yeah. And I said, hey, dad, listen to this. And I held my phone at the air. And they played the national anthem, the Italian national anthem. And I just held the phone there and just started like tears. Yeah, tears. Um, as much as I want to say, you know, 2006 was the best and Inter's treble was the best. Um, that moment to share that with my dad. And I was by myself. And I was surrounded with by, you know, 10, 15,000 Italian supporters down the, the away end behind the goal. Um, that's still the coolest moment, yeah. That was worth the amount of money I spent there and like the anxiety levels before and when I was there because I was going, I was post-separation, so my mental health wasn't the best. And when I got there, it was, I'd sort of like just gone, oh, what have I done? Why am I here for? Right. <laughs> I've just abandoned life just to travel and follow these millionaires kicking a, a leather ball around a field who have no idea the sacrifices I've made to be here. Um, yeah, that moment was like worth it. That was, it was worth it. It was because it was all for yeah. that, man. That's, yeah. oh, man, that's all awesome. the best. Yeah. And it's such, and that I was there and it was like no one had Inter shirts, no one had Milan shirts, no one had Torino or 
Gina or Sassuolo shirts. It was just everyone was there in the Azzurri. Everyone was there following Italy. And it was almost like, hey, where are you from? Oh, I'm from Sassuolo. Oh, cool. You know, nice to see you. Hey, where are you from? You know, everyone was just hanging out for everyone. It was a great atmosphere. And I followed them through the tournament. But that one moment in particular, still to this day, just, yeah, it gets me. gets me every time. And to walk through to that stadium in Lyon and walk out of that, that gate and just see that field and see it. And the grass was so green. And to just see a wall of Belgian support and then turn around and just look up and just go, oh, my God, there's like 30,000 Italians here in this one section. And I'm here. This is like ridiculous. Yeah, I cannot, could not believe I was there. I could not believe I was there. I was just, yeah. So that moment with the national anthem, me waking up my dad, it'll all come full circle. Yeah, that's still the best for me. Yeah, I love it. Dude, that's better than any World Cup win. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then even with the Euro win, like with the Euro win, I got to share that with my kids. You know, we were, of course, in lockdown and we were here at home and I was like, this is cool, you know. I had no idea what was going on. They don't really follow football as much. <laughs> but me going to wake my son up and he's telling me, saying, hey, dad, do you want to, can you wake me up? And I'm like, yeah, you really? He's like, yeah, yeah, cool. I'm like, awesome. So, you know, that was, it's, it's really cool. And that's the good thing about it. We get to share all these moments with people we love, people we meet, you know, yourself and all of our other friends we've made through, through Twitter and social media and whatever else. Like, it's awesome. Well, you, you wouldn't swap it for anything. Not at all, man. This is beautiful. The best way to end it. Frank, <laughs> thank you so much. Where can everybody find you and where can everybody find the podcast? Um, so you can find the the Gentleman Ultra podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and everywhere else you can get the show. Um, of course, the website, thegentlemanultra.com. Um, there's so much content on there, classic matches and biographies and great stories. There's some really, really great stuff on there. Um, it's a blowout for me because I've been reading that website for 10 years. Yeah. So to get a story published with my name on there, I still blows me out. Um, and of course, you can find me on Twitter at, at SETIR underscore A-U-S-T. So Australia, essentially, capital A-U-S-T. Perfect. Amigo mio, grazie per tutto. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much for having me on. It's been awesome. Follow us on Twitter at Curva Mundial Pod and subscribe to us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Thanks for listening.